Welcome to Everyday Animism, a podcast for discussing all things animism, most importantly, how it affects our everyday lives. This podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive right in. Hello. Hello there. This is Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Hello there, Janet. Oh, hi, Kelly. (laughs) We're all here together. (laughs) This is Brandis. So um, I recorded a little intro at the beginning, so we don't need to explain the name or anything. I said each of our names, and um, I guess we can start off by talking a little bit about who each of us are. So I'm Brandis, um, sometimes Brandy, either one's fine. And I am a psychotherapist and a modern shaman living in uh, Northeast Ohio. So if you two want to go. Sure. Um, I am Kelly and I am the host of the podcast, What in the Weird? And I'm also an author and modern shaman. And you can learn more about me and my work at soulintonarts.com. And my name is Janet, and I am a modern shaman, an animal communicator, and an educator. And I live in the glorious area of the mountains of Missoula. And um, you can learn more about me and what I do at www.janetroper.com. You guys did such a better job. So you can find out more about me. (laughs) (laughs) My practice is called Sky Witness Healing Arts, and it is uh, very easy to find at skywitnesshealingarts.com. So for this first episode of this podcast that we each wanted to do to just kind of represent conversations that we're having often among the three of us and thought might be helpful to share thought it would be good to talk first in this episode about what animism is and Kelly um, having the most experience and uh, having been a teacher to both of the other two of us uh, we all kind of agreed would be the best person to do that initial introduction to animism itself so if you want to take the floor all righty then um so foremost there are a lot of interpretations of what animism is There's no one particular thread of what it is, how it's realized or experienced. What I think is key, though, is animism is an experience. It isn't a belief. It isn't a perspective. It is direct relationship with the space and beings around you. And at its core, it means all things have a soul, that all souls are equal There's no hierarchy. All souls are connected. And within that connection, all souls can communicate. And that even though there's no hierarchy and necessarily, you know, lack of equality, they don't necessarily all have the same sense of agency. So those are kind of the ballpark hallmarks of animism. I highly encourage people all the time to read up on it. There are so many different ways that people speak animism, mean animism, experience animism. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about those things that don't experience a sense of agency? I feel like that might be a confusing point. I think that 
I think that is really sticky because ultimately our our brains, our minds, our socialization as humans is developed to think that we're higher on the food chain, like, mm-hmm. you know, spiritually, literally, however you want to look at it. We know that's not true, but that's what we tell ourselves. And so I think from a historic standpoint, that um, less, lack of agency has been attributed to things like rocks or trees. Um, but in the modern era, the, actually, I think this is a great time to be having conversations about animism because we have to change the way we think about digital virtual life as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you for a fact, there are people writing about these things right now. So um, I, I think it also includes things like your microwave and your car. How many times have you yelled at your car mm-hmm. when it you know, didn't function the way you wanted it to? So I think even though we say there's no hierarchy and um, they all have different levels of agency, I think those are the distinctions that people make right off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's I think for me the learning process around animism too has been to learn to to understand everything around me as having worth and and a soul. Um, and that not having a hierarchy, but also not personifying right. um, elements of my surroundings that don't necessarily have, you know, necessarily human feelings and they don't experience the way that humans do. It isn't really about everything being in some way more like a human being. I think Janet might have a perspective on that since she's done so much work with animals. What what is mm-hmm. your experience around that, Janet? Uh, I think that's very true that um, we sometimes tend to look at uh, those that surround us as extensions of human beings so that the dog becomes the fur kid or the um, cat becomes the fur kid or the baby or the um, person becomes the parent. But we need to recognize that the animals are in their own right here. And in their own state of being. And so when we start looking at them from their own state of being and from their own faculty of making decisions, and I don't mean making decisions like humans do, but they respond to different things differently than we do, um, that that is a way of taking on a new life and helping at least me understand how we are all related and how we are all connected. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned the fur baby thing, Janet, uh-huh. because that that actually came up in conversation for me um, over the weekend. That conversation of how treating your your animal companions as things that you own or things that are your children does such a disservice to where a lot of our pets, animal companions, whatever the best way of describing that is are adults of their species and they did have their own parents and they, you know, it's, it's such a disservice to the animal, but also to us in not recognizing, you know, where we're different, where, you know, parenting is a very different thing than caregiving for an animal that you've chosen to take out of the wild and have live in your home. It's very different than choosing to bring, you know, either adopt a a small human life or bring a small human life into the world, that there's such a difference and there's so much disservice that can be done. I mean, you have both heard this rant from me about, you know, 
turning animals into humans rather than just respecting them as animals. Bingo. Bingo. Well said. Yay, Brandy. Yay. (laughs) Well, that's a rant I could go on every week. (laughs) (laughs) Just to color this a little further, um, one of the pinnacle writers about animism, and I mean, like, you know, his his work is a bit dated at this point. It's still applicable, but perhaps a bit dated, mm-hmm. is um, Graham Harvey. And one of the things, one of the concepts that he puts forward in his work is that all beings are people. And when I first read that, I choke because I'm like, that's projecting human characteristics onto the world around us. But when you look at the use of the word people without the human layer it's describing groups of beings with agency and so i think it's important to mention that you know sometimes the vocabulary falls apart with how how we're Mm -hmm. looking at this and and how we talk about it it Mm -hmm. it can be really difficult to articulate and yet the concepts i mean if we can get past that point to the concepts of agency and the fact that it's an ongoing conversation that we decide whether we're going to actively participate. That's, that's, I think what it comes down to on a day-to-day level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and participate on in the, because when you say like all, all beings are people, I know that immediately that personification thing can begin, begin to happen. So in some ways, it's are we going to continue to participate in the most common definition of words that can mean so much more or can have so much more nuance, too? I love the way you two always talk about nuance. I mean, every time you two talk about that, my heart just it literally sings because that is such an area that I think as humans, we need to grow up in, so to speak. And you two just excel at doing that. So thank you for doing that and bringing that up. I feel like I live in nuance land. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like nuance better than gray area. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've yeah. lived in. <laughs> I think I need to go to nuance land a little bit more than I do. I want to come visit you guys over there. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think also the interesting thing with like, all beings are people. I, that statement, yeah, it it really like pokes me in a way that's uncomfortable. But it's because of how I know it's going to be exactly. interpreted. Mm-hmm. There's a there's potentially some some traditional overtones to using the word people as well. In that, um, in some Native American cultures, which is a very general thing to say, there are phrases like the wildflower people, the tree people, yeah. sky yeah. people, and so. Again, you know, we're talking about retrofitting words mm-hmm. to groups, concepts that just don't fit maybe words at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so like you said, we have to come to some peace about how we're going to have this conversation. And yeah. you, know, you can say stuff like, oh, it doesn't matter what words you use, but that you've got to have handles to get involved in the conversation somehow. I mean, maybe for your immediate immersion in your immediate animistic community. That's kind of Mm -hmm. a phrase for the spirits that you engage with, your home spirits, the ones in your yard, Mm -hmm. the ones you walk across to get to the mailbox. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to have some kind of of handles for how you're going to orient to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think for me, when I have that conversation, like when I'm talking about animism to someone who's maybe not familiar or who I don't know that I have a common language with in this area, I tend to say all things are beings because everything is, it is like in terms of it is being by existing kind of like it to be is to be a being in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. I like, I prefer that also. I'm trying to open my, you know, synapses up to different ways mm -hmm. to articulate it. And, you know, it hurts. Mm -hmm. It does. Yes. Yeah. I use the word um, allies a lot. I'm not sure that is quite correct, but yeah. 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 Go ahead, Kelly. Because, yeah, okay, well, that brings up a really good point, Janet. A lot of people think um, animism and they immediately think totem and mm -hmm. they think, spirit allies guardian mm -hmm. angel like you know medicine animal kind of stuff and to me those are totally different conversations they're not yeah. all under the same umbrella and you know that's one place where the new age has done a disservice in that regard it's just kind yep. of lumped all together but also um there are cultural aspects to these references that we also have to, I think, educate ourselves on, is it appropriation to use different terminology like totem, for example, or mm -hmm. are we coming to agreement on the fact that we just have plasticized all these words and we can use them however we want to, as long as we're clear about what we mean? Yeah. I, I think for me with allies versus beings. So for me, not every being is going to be my ally necessarily. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like my couch, you know, the chair I'm sitting on, like it's just existing. Like it's a being in that it, it is able to be and it exists. But is it, I mean, it, and in some way, I guess maybe that's a bad example because it's holding up my butt right now. But like, <laughs> I mean, the couch I'm sitting across from, it's just sitting there. It's not, it's not necessarily out to further my life narrative. It's not teaching me a lesson. It's not like I think of my allies as those spiritual as a more spiritual relationship, whereas a being from an animistic standpoint can be the cup I have from Starbucks sitting on my table, you know, do I need to personify it and claim that it has feelings? No, but does it have worth? Was there something that went into making it? Does it serve a purpose? Is it actively serving that purpose as a being right now? That like that kind of thing to right. me is the nuance around just everything being a being or having a soul right. mm -hmm. from a shamanic standpoint there's been this projection that if you can perceive of an animal spirit clearly it's your spirit guide <laughs> and, and that's not true either. <laughs> you know, i mean there's just been this idea oh a crow feather what's it mean um you know there's been this projection that everything is your spirit guide and that's not necessarily true it's not true mm -hmm. at all there i said it mm -hmm. just like but but the point is we stay open to the to the nuance of what these relationships can be and mm -hmm. some of them you know like i'm not friends with all of my neighbors like i live here i live right beside them i, don't, I couldn't tell mm -hmm. you their names but um it, it you know spending time in my outdoor space in in the spirits of my living space the my house is a being each room is a being that kind of awareness is the starting point that brings you into direct relationship with the spaces that you're in the most every day. 
You know, I have a story I'd like to share about a car that I had in my life. And um, her name was Black Betty Blazer. And <laughs> and I've always had Toyotas, okay? So for whatever reason, um, I needed a car and I got a Blazer instead. And after, you know, I purchased it, I'm just going, oh, this is not going to work. You know, I'm just a Toyota gal. Well, that car had the heart of a horse and the beauty of a horse. And I, my, my home state is Illinois, okay? And at the time I was living in Minnesota. So I went down to Illinois, had um, Betty checked out before I went down there. We went down there, we tootled along, everything was fine. And um, I had this feeling that I needed to have her checked out when I was down there. So I did, and they said, everything's fine. And I should have taken it someplace else or taking her someplace else. So anyway, we get up someplace in Wisconsin, you know, where it's like really forest and everything. And Betty just starts acting up. And I'm going, okay, we're halfway to Minnesota. If you could just get us to Minnesota, this is going to be great. Betty got us to Minnesota. She got me inside the garage. And the next day, um, she just couldn't go anyplace. Her transmission literally waited to give out until we got home. And I had a relationship with that car, um, talking to her like I'm talking to you folks, mm -hmm. okay? Acknowledging what she did for me and thankful for what she did for me. And she did things like that all the time. It was just incredible. And mm -hmm. so, and I'm one of those that I name um, objects in my life. My piano's name, my violin's name, my computer is named. And to me, that is part of being in relationship with the non-human aspects of the world that we live in. Agreed. I do that too. I, name, I, I especially name cars. It's interesting. I think in our culture, we really do have sort of a special relationship with the vehicles that get us around, mm -hmm. whether it's a bike or a car or whatever. And, um, and I think in some ways, I like, so for me, that isn't about personifying, but in, in allowing that to be an individual car, you know, like I, I can kind of appreciate naming things like that. I listen for things to tell me their names. I, I don't mm -hmm. name them, mm -hmm. but well, like even our kids, we decided when I was pregnant that we were going to both listen for what they told us their names were. And that's yeah. kind of my approach with everything. So not everything ends up having a name, but I leave that, that window open to just sort of listen. And it's pretty yeah. neat when, when something speaks back. Yeah. I did the same thing with my, with my daughter, Matilda, when I was pregnant, she just, I, you know, you always get these questions. I have this little texting service that sends me little journal questions about my kids so that it, and it saves it in a little cute format. And um, every so often it says, how did, how did your child get their name? And I said, well, she named herself because she did. Mm -hmm. She just like, I, there was a point at which I knew her name was Matilda and that was just it. It wasn't, it wasn't on my baby name list. Yeah. It was just that was her name and it always has been. So. Yeah, there's a lot that's to be had in a name, I think. Mm -hmm. With my animals, a lot of times they will come with one name and they'll tell me they wanna be something else or that feeling mm -hmm. that that name just doesn't suit them. And I think too, you know, you're saying Kelly about um, developing 
you know, acknowledging everything allows you to develop a relationship with it. And the thing about developing a relationship with everything and understanding it within the context of animism allows you to deepen that relationship Mm -hmm. and develop a right relationship. And that's what you were describing, Janet, was like feeling an in tune and in tuneness with the thing that you possess, like feeling, you know, a responsibility for caring for it and, and, and how that translates into like how we take care of our bodies. If we understand them as being something separate from us that we're responsible for how taking care of the planet, taking care of our backyard, taking care of a nice handbag, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's all of those things. I think it can be overwhelming. You know, you've got garden variety, you know, white people who are trying to figure out how to get back to this animistic component of their own lineage in a culture that has really kind of warped us, if you know, for lack of a better term, in terms of spiritual path and how we relate, period. And so, I mean, I think discussion around how you come into right relationship you know all all of that there's so much room to develop how we do this like every day yeah so what does it look like every day for y'all sometimes it's a little too loud for me and I actually have to dial myself back or or ask space to dial back from me but um most recently it has become a succession of taking time to walk through my space on a regular basis with my awareness on it and nothing else to to introduce myself if I haven't in a long time if there are some new or changed components to tell it who and what I am what I'm doing here and invite it to join me in what I do ask it how I can join it in whatever it might be doing here in this plane and just just keep having that ongoing and I mean you can't you can't have the conversation with everything all the time and that's where I think it can be really difficult for people who are just waking up to this you have to pick the places where it's doable for you and and what I always tell my students and my mentees is start where you already are. Don't, mm-hmm. don't start, you know, down the road at the park. Don't start <laughs> um, in a memory, start where you are standing and have mm-hmm. that dialogue, bring the awareness in and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for me, I try to remember that not every one of those relationships is going to be, of like a dialogue some of sometimes it's just going to be a sense like trusting my sense of where when I built my when I furnished the space that I'm in now for my practice it has been a very organic sense of like where things want to be in the space and then putting plants you know they were all transplanted from my prior office which was very different lighting very different space and putting each of those plants in places where they felt right and seeing how they grew and then moving them if it looked like they needed to move and just feeling, um, you know, for me, it's not always about an overt dialogue, but just a sense that I'm aware Mm -hmm. of those items and what wants to be here in the sense that it fits, not necessarily in asking outright out loud, but just in putting something somewhere and seeing if it fits right. 
and doing that in as many ways as possible throughout my day. And, and even in terms of feelings, like sitting with a feeling, does it want to live mm-hmm. there or does it just want to be felt? And do I then allow it to leave by way of feeling it? I talk to clients in counseling that way sometimes about honoring their feelings as things that deserve to exist engaging with them to the degree that they want to be engaged with and then allowing them to exist elsewhere. And, you know, Brandy, if I hear you correctly, if I'm understanding what you're saying is that when you take that time to, to slow down and to be with the feelings that you're actually opening up to be able to hear more of what's going on from the others. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. Get out of all the rush and the, hu- and the yeah. hustle. Right. You bring attention to the one thing that, you know, in some cases is screaming, but is at least saying I need attention right now in, in giving that you free up that space for what else Mm -hmm. can be, what else needs to express. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me that, um, well, you know, relatively new to Montana, so I'm still enjoying getting to know the mountains around me. One of the things that I've been doing is taking pictures of the mountains that I wake up to every morning, giving them gratitude for their beauty, taking the picture at the same time and really starting to recognize how the light plays differently on them and how they play differently amongst themselves, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And the other thing for me is the practicality of it, like um, with my dog, Max. Okay, it's like time to get out there and clean up the yard of the the winter dog poop because yes, I need to clean up the yard, but also because that is another being's home. And, you know, Max has been over there and pooping on their home, so to speak. And it's my job to get over there to be a good neighbor, to keep it clean for them. And, you know, luckily that's going to be easier to do now that spring is and summer is on the way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you touch on, like the next part of this, Janet, is when you kind of get into that relationship with your immediate space, then you can start having thoughts and feelings like, okay, where is this moving into somebody else's territory? Where is this moving beyond my domain and my immediate relationships into someone else's territorial relationships? Mm -hmm. And when you can step out even farther and say, okay, here's this grouping of regional animistic relationships and so on until you you are looking at it from a planet-wide level and quite mm-hmm. possibly beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And very c- clearly identifying like what part is yours and mm-hmm. where might you be overstepping in a way that you're, you know, taking away someone else's opportunity to develop a right relationship with their surroundings. Exactly. Exactly. My experience um, since I've been practicing animism, and I'm the newest of the three of this to this um, practice, is that it's really helped me to slow down my life, to really mm-hmm. slow down and to be attentive and to pay attention and to mm-hmm. also um, step forward with integrity in what needs to be done next. Instead of just assuming that, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do this because da, 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 da. it's like, no, I'm listening and I'm being led, being guided that this is the next step. This is the next step. And there's a relief with that, let me tell you. That's really lovely, too. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a gorgeous way of life. And Kelly, I think you've said this way be- before, is that when we're talking animism, not to forget the people in the equation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, 
it's easy to okay so again another new age component is to just um find meaning in everything you know oh a feather oh look at this crystal oh you know the wind blew this certain way um i mean and that's that's awesome that's wonderful but it's too easy to get saturated in those um, projections, externalized experiences, and to forget that people are part of your animistic yeah. community. You don't have to yeah. like them. You don't have to know their names. You don't have to be friends with them or invite them over to dinner. But a root of our cultural inability to get along is because we don't value each other as souls to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, you want to talk about developing the right or a deepened relationship with everything around us. That includes people. You don't get to skip other people mm -hmm. in an effort to be more spiritual. Right. We need a t-shirt with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the big, you know, for me with animism, it's like, it's about being spiritual while not elevating myself to a place of being above anything else where there isn't that hierarchy and, and the other way around also to, to not mm -hmm. have to assume that, you know, something has to be above you, that you have to be the constant student, the subject. Mm -hmm. Or at least that we're all constant students mm -hmm. and we're all the constant mm -hmm. subject mm -hmm. of our own stories. And that's so, a conversation a lot of people are not ready to have. Yeah. But we're going to have it anyway. I think, I think we're we ready should. to have it. What yeah. do you say? Let's have that conversation. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're right under uh, 30 minutes, actually. We, we managed to like make a whole episode just out of this conversation. Imagine that. I was going to yeah. say, who doubted that? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I think this is like a good, probably a good stopping point to kind of wrap things up and um you know i want to invite anybody who happens to listen to this this particular inaugural or initial episode to feel free to send any of us questions i have a contact form on my website um, you can call into the station if you happen to use anchor um, the actual app rather than listen to this on a podcasting uh, service uh, so feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you want us to talk about. If you have questions about animism, if you have questions about any of the three of us, we're happy to share a little bit more about our practices as we go along. And we're just going to kind of have fun with this ongoing conversation. Thank you, ladies. This was lovely. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I will see you two ladies soon and we'll see the rest of you soon as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.